People who would disagree with one another aren't brought together into the same social media spaces. And our keyword searches bring up more things like we already are interested in because that will keep us watching the television which keeps us watching the advertisers. So we actually need other people. That at least is part of the reason why we are called together into community. You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou It is the year of Matthew, but we have this story from the Gospel of Luke. The story about the journey of two disciples on a walk to the town of Emmaus. Just as we do every year on the second Sunday after Easter. This story is a picture of the pilgrim church as we experience ourselves. Like Cleopas and the unnamed disciple, we have heard the story but have not seen the risen Lord ourselves, so we are left to consider what we have heard. We gather together for communal comfort and to tell again the story we have heard, to mull it over, discuss its consequences, air our doubts, and seek the wisdom that cannot be found in solitude. This year, as we're all busy social distancing because of the pandemic, this story should especially hit home because it's not an incidental part of the story that there are, these two disciples are journeying together. Psychologists have noted the hardwired human tendency towards confirmation bias that we perceive data most easily that confirms what we already believe and find it hard to assimilate data that would force us to change our convictions. This means we actually need other people with different perspectives to challenge us and lift us out of our own psychological ghettos. One of the reasons why things have become so polarized in the modern world is people spending time in chat rooms are not having conversations with each other. People who would disagree with one another aren't brought together into the same social media spaces. And our keyword searches bring up more things like we already are interested in because that will keep us watching the television which keeps us watching the advertisers. So we actually need other people. That at least is part of the reason why we are called together into community. But more importantly for us as Christians, from a biblical perspective, throughout the Old Testament into the New, God only calls individuals out in order that He might create from them a people, that is a group, 
like he did with Abraham, or that he might empower them to minister to the people from which he has called them out, as he did with all the prophets. In other words, the individual call is part and parcel of the call to the community, and vice versa. God does not prioritize the individual over the community or the other way around. Now, on our money here in America are Latin words that are practically nonsensical to our modern America mind. E pluribus unum, Latin for out of the many, one. Modern Americans are determined culturally and legally in a way that is quite literally irrational to be individuals without reference to or responsibilities for the families, local communities, and nation that birthed, raised, and socialized us. But in God's eyes, the pluribus and the unum are equally precious because each is equally necessary to the maintenance and health of the other. Now this story we have from Scripture this morning is an icon of a church, of the church, uh, literally a picture of what the church is like. Now the word church means assembly. And it's a beautiful picture of the church precisely because just as we as individual members comprise the church, so the church gives birth to us as its individual members through the sacrament of baptism. See, nobody can baptize themselves, just as nobody can learn the story of Jesus from themselves. We need to be evangelized, whether it's through reading a book or being spoken to by someone else. We can contemplate God in the generic, sitting on a hilltop, but until someone tells us the story of Jesus, we will never know the fullness of who God is. Equally so, we must be baptized by the community that already knows Jesus, into Jesus. He has unites us. We are united with His community that He started, even as He calls us as individuals. Now, in a time of social distancing, it is a powerful reminder to us, even a command that we can, should, and must assemble as the people of God as soon as prudence and the rule of law permit. For it is when we are assembled that Christ becomes most powerfully present to us as individuals. Let me say that again. It's when we are assembled that Christ becomes most powerfully present to us as individuals. We are not made for isolation. We are not made for loneliness. And so, as the Pilgrim Church, the church on its way from Jerusalem towards some other destination like Emmaus, while we walk together discussing this Jesus phenomenon, Jesus himself draws near, unbidden, 
unrecognized. Fulfilling his promise that where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there among them. And what are we discussing? Well, like those early disciples, with great anxiety, we're discussing our fears about the state in which we find life. Our sense that the world is somehow upside down. Our sense that something unfair has happened. That we've been cheated by our hopes, by fate, or maybe even by God himself. We're discussing our concern that perhaps our loyalty was invested in the wrong place and we've been betrayed. Discussing our apprehensions about the authorities under which we live and whether they really have our best interests at heart. We talk about our sense of oppression that comes with laboring in the midst of confusion and misinformation. Perhaps even a disquiet deep in our souls we're willing to confess. A disquiet that says to us, your faith was misplaced. Instead of ennobling you, it has brought you low. So far, quite apart from the story of Jesus, any one of these anxieties could have been torn from the latest headlines during this crisis. Whether your preferred source of information be the Washington Times or the Washington Post, CNN and MSNBC, or Fox News and the Drudge Report. But as people whose topic of conversation is Jesus, these anxieties, which are common to the human condition, have a more specific focus. The hope that Jesus might be the one. The report of the first witnesses that Jesus is risen. A report we have to reckon with. Although, as the disciple says in this morning's reading, him we cannot see. As we meet and discuss this great good news, this highly unsettling news, because it means an overthrow of everything we thought was sure and certain, the natural progression of life into death, Jesus shows up unrecognized at first. Now, at first, as we encounter him, we must endure his upbraiding, his censure of us who are foolish and slow of heart, as he says. During most of the church year, we do this right at the beginning of the worship service when we confess our sins in front of the whole company. But receiving his harsh judgment We repent of our sins and are reassured of his goodness and forgiveness. And then, then from the word of God, he interprets for us everything in the scriptures regarding himself. He does this, as the Lutheran confessions affirm, through the faithfully explained and preached word using the efforts of his chosen and called servant, the preacher, to do so. 
Now just as with Cleopas and his companion, then he causes our hearts to burn within us when that faithfully preached word reaches our ears, causing us to be drawn back toward him, to trust ever more fully in his unfailing person and work. And finally, when perhaps we feel fortified in mind and spirit, but fear the time for going back to the mundane world has come. i got to say, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me at the back of the church, well, now it's back to real life. We all have that anxiety that we will have encountered Christ and then have to go back to the real world, the world where he seems absent because our senses are not finely attuned enough to find him there. In any event, as we get ready to go back to that mundane world, he reveals himself most fully to us in every sense. Sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. As he makes himself present to us in the breaking of the bread. I want to draw your attention to the picture on this screen. If you're listening to this afterword on the internet, I'll have a link there so you can see well this piece of artwork. It's called Pilgrims on the Road to Emmaus, and if you're a fan of art, you probably can recognize that it's by Rembrandt. This is one of a series of 26 mosaic panels in the Santa Polinare Nuovo in Ravenna, Italy. Now, I love this picture. This is not the only painting Rembrandt did about the road to Emmaus, but I particularly like this one because as we look at it, the face of Christ remains shrouded in darkness just as his presence to us in Holy Communion is shrouded in, with, under, and through the bread and the wine. But because his presence is truly there, It brings enlightenment to the one sitting down with him at table. We disciples who come to the table because he has made our hearts burn within us as we have heard the word preached. This now, this now is us as we receive the fullness of his presence to us in the meal he has instituted. This meal we cannot share now because of the pandemic. But as soon as we can, as soon as we can, we need to run to the table, as Luther said, where Christ fully enlightens us, where Christ has promised to be present to us. For as we walk our pilgrim way in the midst of all the anxieties that characterize this life, He walks with us still, at times revealed, many times hidden from our sight. But he has promised he will be here with us, even to the end of the age. So let us draw near to him who draws near to us, and be blessed in so doing. Will you join me for a word of prayer?
gracious and holy God, we thank you that you have given your Son to us and that he has given himself to us willingly. That he walks with us all the days of our lives, many times unseen, unperceived, but at times revealed to us gloriously. Grant that the time may come soon when we may gather around the meal that he has commanded us to keep. The meal where he has promised to be fully present to us. And grant, as we make our pilgrim way together, drawn together into community, giving ourselves to one another even as he has given himself to us, that we might move beyond the things which confirm our biases into the fullness of who he reveals himself to be to each of us as we grow in grace. These things we ask through him who is our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sleeping, my presence, my life.